Hello, hello, welcome, my mishpoche, and everyone who's joining me today. I am excited for what we're about to talk about because they're, they're very different things. Selling, we're then going to discuss, uh, I already forgot the book summary, but it's in my notes. I'll get it going. Story time. Today, I gave blood. I get to the blood clinic, which is across the city from where I live. I forgot my wallet. Can you believe this? So I had to drive home and then come back. Why? The Oreos. It's all about the Oreos you get when you give blood. Anyways, let's dive in. If you like, you probably know Jordan Belfort by the movie Wolf of Wall Street. However, this guy actually knows how to sell. That's a fact. And next, we'll be getting into a book called Everything is Fucked. Yes, it's a weird title, I know, but very, very good quality information. Uh, and then if we have time, we'll get into another thing called The Game of Life. Anyways, what shall we start? I kind of want to start with the book Everything is Fucked because it is it brings up some interesting points. Let's kick it off. Let's get all this information going. So there's something called the paradox of progress. People complaining about their coffee while flying 30 feet in the air. Isn't that funny, right? Like think how incredible the invention of airplanes are, yet people will be complaining about things taking that for granted while they're up 30,000 feet in the air. Food for thought. <laughs> so be grateful, people. Next, Newton's three laws of emotions is what this person has kind of deemed this mental model. If someone punches us, we feel the need to reciprocate by punching back or filing a lawsuit. Uh, and that is his three laws of emotions. So when we have no chance to hit back, we have this quote-unquote icky gap and we feel down. There's a quote here, the sum of your feeling brain is the sum of your emotions over time. And I love this quote, quote, you're looking at the fruits, not the roots. This is regarding someone who is focused on outcomes and not the root causes. You know, it, it's right away, I think of get rich quick schemes. We all know you just have to put in the time. Anyways, that's cliche stuff, but I, I find it's really interesting that they talk a lot about feeling brain and emotion brain or emotional brain. No, no, feeling brain and sorry. It's yeah. They talk about feeling brain and thinking brain. Uh, I don't know if I talk about that, but we'll see. Cause that, you know, they say like bigger to the decision, the more emotional the decision and that we need to use our thinking brain a bit more because our emotional brain or feeling brain doesn't always make the best decision because it's trying to survive. And all, as we know, our body and our mind's will to live can often override logic. Anyways, the author loved Nietzsche, the philosopher. Uh, are you a slave or a master? Question mark. I you know, loved the politics analogy that the YouTuber made summarizing this book because neither is right or wrong. Some people want to be a slave, some want to be a master. The real thing this book talks about is stop wanting. Even wanting the, uh, to end suffering. And actually, this comes down to a conversation I had with some colleagues on the Buddhist religion and Buddhist philosophies and ideologies, which is when we want things to continue or we want them to end, that we are suffering because, yeah, we are wanting. We, we aren't in the present moment at that time. And that being in the present moment is true gratitude and happiness, theoretically. Now, the book mentions not according, 
what? Not according pain, but you don't have to suffer. See, sometimes I type too fast. I don't even make sense in these notes, but work with me here. Uh, suffering is like being hit with two arrows. Um, and he mentions not, scrap that note. I don't even know what kind of yutsi stuff I was talking about there. Anyways, I sound like I'm a sugar right now. Food for thought, the real takeaways from there, paradox of progress, be grateful, don't complain about your coffee when you're flying in the air in an airplane. And this icky gap we feel if we don't have a chance to metaphorically hit back after being hit. And that icky gap can ripple down into a ton of hostile, toxic feelings. Now, let's get into how to sell. Let's do this. It's called uh, 12 Steps to Closing a Sale. And now this kind of hits home because in my job there's consults and you do have to close sales. It's not, you know, manipulative or, you know, um, we're not trying to take advantage of people. I'm just saying like there are ways to put things in perspective so someone wants to buy from you. And I would argue a lot of people have sales, metaphorical sales to close. So this, you'll be surprised what actually applies to your life in these notes. Here we go. It starts with a quote that every sale is the same, according to Jordan Belfort. And we shall see here. Step one is you got to take immediate control of the conversation. They see you as the expert. When someone's coming to meet you, they see you as the expert. Take control in the first few seconds by just asking them a few questions, and that will take control. Number two is gathering intel, and that's kind of going with the questions part, but you have to ask specific questions in a specific order. Use specific linguistics and tonality, you know. This builds rapport, trust, and now you have info needed for a presentation that you're going to customize for them. So let's go to the rapport part. Don't just, don't be nosy, right? If you're just being nosy with questions, they see you as the grand inquisitor. You know, think of like we've all been to a party and you have grandparents or an uncle or aunt and they just go, oh, so what are you doing? Oh, what do you like? Oh, how are, how are your friends? Oh, are you okay? How are you? And it's all just, I'm good. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm doing this right now. And it's actually quite nosy and people don't like those conversations. Now, when people see you as the opposite of nosy with questions, so like, why do you want your goals? Is that appropriate at this time in your life? Like, those are deeper questions. You become like the family doctor, like the family friend advisor. That's who you, they see you as. And that's who you want to be like when you're selling. You want to be that person that they feel warm around. Number four. Have a transition. So based on the person's problems and goals, here's a solution. Here's my product that will help you. <laughs> That's what you want to say, right? That's your transition because now you got the intel. Excuse me. You got the intel and you're creating that solution so they can't say no. Five, make the presentation. So why they need your product or why do they need your product? It's like giving a recipe but no ingredients. So give your customer the steps so they see the vision and want to buy. All right, I like that analogy of the recipe. If you don't give your customer the things to make what they want, let's say the recipe, the goal is to make muffins, and you don't actually give them the flour and the sugar, but you tell them how to do it, it's not the same, right? The customer wants to see the steps. And that's where, let's say, in the fitness space, I say, okay, you want a higher vertical? Here, I got a squat rack. Here we have bands, 
those are going to increase fast twitch muscle fiber contraction and strength and that's what you need to you see what i'm saying and then they see it oh okay okay he has the the products to get me successful number six ask for the order slash buy they rarely will say yes the first time you ask rarely if they do conversation over yup sell it don't talk too much if you talk them out of a sell that's really bad and you can people can do that Number seven is the first objection. You're, you're actually anticipating that first objection, but you want to ask so it's in their head. So the first objection, it's just a smoke screen. It's smoke and mirrors. It's rarely literal. It's actually more of an uncertainty. They just don't know how to articulate that, to say, oh, I'm uncertain, I'm feeling it out. They don't want to be rude, so they just say, no, I'm good. Be understanding and say, I, I can see why you think that. And then loop it back to the presentation and represent. So someone says, so I just propose them with the weights. I have the, I have the weights, I have the bands and, they, and the boxes. And they say, yeah, you know, I don't think I can do it. Then I, I go, you know what, I, I understand. Uh, I understand your goal though is to increase your vertical and there's nothing else out there that will do that for you. And that's your representing saying, there's nothing else but these boxes, bands and weights. So number eight is looping and the re-ask. So this subconsciously raises the customer's level of certainty, right? Once done finding a solution to their objection, re-ask. So after I reframe that for them, I say, listen, listen, nothing else is out there to increase your vertical. Their certainty goes up. They go, okay, he's found a solution. Like, this is it. There's nothing else. This is the solution. Number nine of the 12 steps is lowering their action threshold. So they will either come at you with another objection, which you just loop it again, right? You'd ask why, and if they say, oh, it's the price, you say, okay, okay, what's your price? Because I can make that price happen, just the value I bring has to come down. Like let's say their price is 500 bucks, and, and, but their goal also is to have training like three times a week. I just say, listen, I can actually meet that, but we're only gonna train together once a week and then I'll give you the other workouts on your own. And see, that's a solution. So now their certainty goes up. They can't say no. Anyways, let's get back to the action threshold thing. So they come at you with another objection, you loop again, or they say yes, and they say they wanna leave. Oh, no, no, and, or not or, sorry. Or they say yes, and then it's done, you just sell. Or they say they wanna go. And if that's the case, you know what? That, that's on them, that's on them. If they wanna go, you just let them go. You can't win them all. Now, what the title means is every human has a range with a preconceived notion to say yes or no. You can lower their action threshold with a certain language pattern that Jordan Belfort goes on to talk about later, but uh, I, I didn't really look into that. It's just that, for example, our action threshold is very low when we're passing someone on the street saying like, Hey, do you want this pamphlet? Do you want it? Like, we're going to say no 99% of the time versus our action thresholds quite high when it comes to a coach saying, Hey, do you want team jackets? We're probably going to say, yeah. And so people that you can manipulate that action threshold. And apparently Jordan Belfort has this language pattern that does it. Um, I, I don't know. The, the next part though, kind of has to do with that. So bear with me. This is increasing pain threshold. So we wanna remember what their pain point was. That's all the way back in the presentation part of the very beginning. Remember I said gather intel? Well, that comes right back down to this, which is increasing their pain threshold. Because if someone says, 
yeah, I really want to make the team. And that's why I came to you, Zev, to increase my vertical. I want to make the starting lineup or the team. That's where it sounds savage, but you just say, listen, okay, I understand you you don't really want to pay 500 for this. But if you don't pay for this, or you don't say it like that, you say, like, if you if you don't train with me, honestly, I don't think you're going to make the team because there's nothing else out there for you. And now you're increasing the pain threshold. They can imagine not making the team. And that's, it's fear-based. Like, fear drives everyone, whether you know it or not. <laughs> and here I wrote here, uh, we want to remember what their pain point was and that it will lower their action threshold. They will buy if they're in enough pain. Think about this, people. Think Really think about folks out there that if they're in enough pain they will buy a product from someone not just fitness really like think anything right like actually think about people who have medical issues like they will find the money if they're in pain number 11 gain a customer for life oh sorry sorry before i talk about that notice what he said there increasing pain threshold will actually lower action threshold so they are more likely to say yes when the pain threshold is high just like, actually, for example, let's say someone's action threshold is low with the pamphlet guy on the street, but let's say, because context is key, that they have um, a broken arm and the pamphlet is, I will fix your broken arm. Their action threshold will go up. They are more likely to take action towards that product. See what I'm saying? That's why pain threshold can decrease action threshold. And I think that's part of the language pattern he talks about. Number 11 is gain a customer for life. So turn them into long-term clients who refer friends. There are dozens of ways to do this, says Jordan Belfort. But the focus is that you want a customer for life. They are like your soldiers who will go out and find you more clients. Number 12 is repeat the process. Just like keep doing this. And then that's your 12 actions to sell. I think it's really beneficial. I've actually... I use this a lot nowadays. Ever since I learned this, this uh, this note was made like eight months ago. I've started to incorporate a lot of this. Um, also, I, I, there are other notes from recently I made on selling, and I'll actually talk about them now, which is don't sound like a salesman or a saleswoman. Like it sounds so simple, but honestly, people can smell a gimmick from a mile away, and they can smell fake people who are fronting. So just don't schmooze and lie. Like, just tell someone how it is. Honest, honestly, like when you simply tell them the product you can provide, people are more likely to buy than if you're trying to hustle. Um, and also, if you're talking in a calm voice, not too fast, they are more likely to buy as well. People don't like fast talkers. They, they don't seem secure with themselves. And so that's another tip for selling I had just recently learned. Anyways, I want to see how much time we got here. How long? 15 minutes through. Okay. Yeah, we're definitely getting to this next part. There's a... I'm, I'm looking through the notes here. There's so many awesome books I can't wait to summarize. So The Game of Life. And it's by author Florence Scovel, I think, or Scovel. I'm butchering it. Starts out saying, What you say and do reveals who you are to others yourself. He goes on to say that we need to observe what we say and how, how to see into our subconscious. I couldn't agree more. Our subconscious is everything and the information we take in controls our subconscious. Never forget that. 
Make sure your desires align with your principles and authentic truths. If you value physical health and ditch it for financial success, then you aren't successful because your desire doesn't align with your principles and authentic truth because you value physical health, right? But you're ditching it. So I don't care. Like you aren't a successful person if you're going, I guess, away from your principles and values, right? Stick to your principles and values and you will be successful because it's success is subjective. Never forget that. And by the way, I'm looking again at the what you say and do reveals who you are to others but yourself. I, I feel like I, that was a typo. What you say and do reveals who you are to others but yourself. What? What you say and do reveals... Yes. I, I would argue what you say and do reveals who you are to yourself as well. Anyways, on to the next point. I should probably read through these before I talk about them, but you know what? This, I don't even care because this is just a passion project and I do this for fun. It's like a verbal journal for me. So it's interesting when he says that by receiving, you aren't completing the flow of life. Oh my God, I talked about this recently with somebody. So even though a person should give and not expect a return, right? That's what a mensch is. You're breaking the law of life by not receiving. And I never thought of it like that, right? Think about it. If you don't receive, then the person giving isn't actually giving. They're not giving if you're not receiving it. And so you have to accept things in life. Be open to reception. Or, or sorry, uh, not reception. Be open to receiving. And then you're allowing people to give. And that, that's the cycle. Now, that's theoretical, whether that's like a law. Like, I don't know if giving and taking is a law of life. It, to me, it kind of makes sense, though. Like, we are literally giving from day one. A mother gives to earth by having a baby. Like, we are giving all the time. Um, and and what else? Oh, interesting you said about receiving it. Yeah, this the word mitzvah in Judaism is this is giving and not expecting return. That's what a mitzvah really is, or like a good deed. But here we are, like this, it's saying that we also have to receive. We can't just give, give, give. You gotta receive. That's the flow of life. It's also cool that he mentions a lack of confidence when you don't receive. Because yeah, oh sorry. See, I I type so fast here sometimes when I'm listening to these. He mentions, so I'll, I'll paraphrase, a person has a lack of confidence if you don't receive because a person should feel that they deserve to reap the benefits of their hard work. See what I'm saying? So if you don't want to receive it, that's actually a lack of confidence. If It shows that you don't feel you're deserving because you haven't put the work in to deserve. And I'll let that resonate with you. Food for thought, right? Like... You can interpret that how you wish. I personally struggle with receiving things, to be honest. Compliments especially. I think because I also suffer from imposter syndrome. I'm always feeling like I'm fronting. Um, and that's just on me. You know, because I, I, know, I know that I should be respectful and whatnot. And just sometimes I feel like I, since I know I have to do that and I'm doing it consciously that I feel it's not like truly me. Like I feel like subconscious Zev is true Zev. 
And I know this seems super far out, but I'm just venting really here. And so, yeah, that's why sometimes I, I feel it's hard to receive, but I'm working on that. So the last point in this summary is to make rapid decisions and trust your subconscious programming. If you don't make rapid decisions, you get stuck in analysis paralysis. You learn by messing up, remember that. You alienate fear by taking action, which rapid decision making is, that's taking action. And I'll never forget, I just heard a story recently. There was a class and they were split into two groups and the teachers told one group, you have a month to make a perfect flower pot. To the second group, they said, you have a month to make 30 flower pots. So at the end of the month, what do you know? The first group's flower pot was horrible. The perfect one was awful looking. And the group that had to make 30 in 30 days had a much better looking flower pot. Why is this? It's because their first 20 flower pots sucked, but then they got so good at it because they were practicing that the last 10 looked amazing. Versus someone who is in analysis paralysis, always trying to be perfect, the first one's still not going to be perfect. And when I say the first one, it's a metaphor. The first one of, of anything, the, the first job, the first task at that job, the first time being a parent, the, it all it takes work and it's not, not going to be perfect the first time, people. So, you know, make 30 flower pots in 30 days, not one perfect one in a month, okay? I think we got time. I'm going to hit one more little thing here. What do we? Yeah, 21. We got time. I'm going to hit one more thing here. It was a meeting by Ray Dalio, this investor, hedge fund manager guy, and Diddy, the rapper. They sit and talk. And this is what Ray had to say. I really liked it. List everything you aren't good at. And now go find those people who can do it for you. Build that team. Get better at what you are good at while your team does the same, right? Don't juggle too much. And I love that at the end where it says, and then your team will do the same. Like if a person, for example, isn't good at bookkeeping, so they hire it out. That bookkeeper can keep trying to get better at bookkeeping while you keep getting better at whatever you're good at. See what I mean? That is how a team becomes unstoppable. I found this really cool. P. Diddy said, he wanted to reset himself because he's already so successful, but he knows he can be better. And when he says reset himself, he means like going back to the old P. Diddy that had to hustle. He says he's gotten very stagnant and comfortable now that he's financially set and he has album on album on album and he's done really well and won awards. But he says he misses that old P. Diddy that had to hustle and no one knew who he was. And so he wants to reset himself and like do that all over again and build even more wealth. Which I thought was cool. Like, not a lot of people think about that. However, I also personally think reflection is awesome. I think we should all reflect. Even though reflection can be very painful for people, it also can be extremely satisfying and kind of light a fire under your ass and motivate you. If that's the motivation that helps you, because it's always context dependent. Not everyone gets motivated through the same things. Now, Ray told... P. Diddy to surround himself with better people than him if he wants to really do that reset. Uh, but that didn't really sink in for P. Diddy, I think because of his ego. And I thought of this quote from David Goggins, be uncommon among the uncommon. 
that's personally what I think P. Diddy would have to do if he really wants to do that whole like a reset and like be a new version of himself. You have to be uncommon among the uncommon. And I saw a quote on a t-shirt. I think it was like, it's less crowded at the front of the pack or something like that. And I like that too. Cause, and it made me think right away of pro athletes where they're all so good. And then it's this ripple effect. And I actually talked about this on my blog where the genetics are already there. So then what's next? Hard work. And, but everyone's working hard, like they're training properly. So what's next? Genetics again, right? If everyone's working as hard as they can, then genetics will take over again. But there's a new baseline that's established, and that is skill development. So let's say everyone's working on the skill of the sport at their max potential. Well, then what's next? Genetics again, right? Because you can't control that. But then let's uh, go to a new baseline, which is nutrition. Let's say everyone dials their nutrition in perfectly. What's next? Genetics. But it keeps going, right? Psychology's next. What if everyone dials into their psychology? Genetics then takes over for everyone who's maxed that out. It's genetics again. But there's another one, sleep, and then genetics. So as you can see, and you can literally just keep going on and on and on, but genetics is the king. However, the it's uncommon for people to take all five of those health variables into, into play. And so those who do actually take action on all those different health variables, they are the uncommon. So now it's time to be uncommon among those uncommon. Like where else can you find a cheat code. You know what I mean? Food for thought. Uh, think about that for your job. If you're listening and you have a job and everyone's grinding their ass off and then some people genetically are just better because they're gifted. And what else can you do to grind your ass off? Or maybe you have the genetics that you rely on. Food for thought. I don't know. There's a lot I dumped in on y'all in this episode. But hey, take it as it is. I always have fun with this. <laughs> That's all that matters, to be honest. Message me if you have any questions too you want to you want me to throw in here and ponder. By all means, that'd be pretty fun. I'm going to get out of here and not talk like I always do at the very end. Have a great day. Take care.